We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the Missouri Tigers from KCSN, which features multiple shows each week with Border War with former Missouri forward Jarrett Sutton and former Jayhawks guard Jeff Hawkins. And Mizzou, that's who, with insider Gabe Diarmung, Maggie Johnson, and Tucker Franklin. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure to follow us on your new home for Missouri Tigers podcast, KCSN. And now, the latest on Mizzou Athletics. Hello and welcome into Mizzou That's Who, your podcast for Missouri Athletics here on KC Sports Network. I am Tucker Franklin, joined as always by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. Listen, we've got a lot to talk about. Glad you joined us today. Glad you joined us this week. Uh, lots to go. Lots going on in Missouri Athletics and you've got Mizzou Hoops splitting a weekend set with Arkansas and Vanderbilt. You've got football hiring Fresno State's Kirby Moore as their offensive coordinator. Rejoice out there, uh, Missouri fans. I know that you wanted it. I know you wanted an offensive coordinator. It happened. Uh, Kirby Moore coming to Columbia. Football gets two D1 transfers, one from the MAC, one from the SEC in Florida. They get an offensive lineman and a D-back. They also lost one to the transfer portal, a guy who said he was going to return. But he's not going to return to Missouri. He's going to return to school, but not to uh, go to school at Missouri. And uh, Missouri Wrestling, they got a victory. Uh, number 10 Wrestling got a victory over number 13, you and I. And we were talking Missouri Gymnastics. Off to a, off to a hot start this year, too. So a lot going on in Missouri Athletics. Here to break it down with me, Gabe Bjarman, Maggie Johnson. As I said, Gabe, how are you doing? How has this week been for you? I'm good. It's been uh, busy, like every other week. There is no off season. I think nope. the best news of the uh, week, and we can talk about this when we get to football, is that Greg Sankey wants the early signing period to go away. I think that's phenomenal. Um, but I think basketball is the kind of on everybody's mind right now. They actually they went one and one. They moved up in the coaches' poll. They're twentieth in both polls today. So uh, yep. that's. Good news going into, I think, a four-game stretch that determines what this season is going to be. Mm, that's a very professional tease there from Gabe. Maggie, uh, how are you? How is your week? Uh, big, we got the national championship game coming up when we're recording this podcast. Uh, exciting time around just everywhere. Yeah, I'm excited for the game tonight. I already have a plan uh, after we get off here. You know, I'm going to go pick up some wings, uh, get everything kind of kind of set up for it. But, no, I think the week was pretty productive in my opinion um going one and one not the best but it's what we expected it's what we kind of said we would be happy with so I think I even read on Power Mizzou Gabe you said if we go one and one the rest of the the rest of the year we'll make the tournament yep it's not that big of a deal the bigger thing to me is that we blew a big lead and that kind of is a little bit reminiscent of past Mizzou teams but there was only so much you could do in that game with the team that you played in the second half that shot so well. So I'm not disappointed. Like I left after I finished watching that game. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer, but it still ended up with the outcome that we expected. So yeah. it's really not that big of a deal. But there are a few issues that we probably need to talk about when it comes to basketball. They cover. They did cover. They did and cover. Great, great teams cover. So exactly. that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah, they do indeed. And uh, before we dive into basketball, I got to thank Charlie Hustle. I'm wearing the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue shirt today. One of my favorite shirts. Uh, we've all Red got Monday. different cuts on. Yeah, we've got we got Chiefs going on. We've got all Charlie Hustle. 
Uh, make sure to go check them out, trailerhustle.com. Um, is that a Zambezi Zinger shirt Zambezi on? Zinger. Yep. It, I, I think it's like reopening this year. It is, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's as, no disrespect, but it's not like the original one that I rode when I had a World of Fun season pass, you know, when I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I think the Kansas City Star did a story on that one a few years ago, and it's like in some random place, maybe in South America or something, but. I'm just like I'm just picturing Gabe like on the Zambezi Zinger with turkey leg in one hand. <laughs> no, tur- turkey legs the Renaissance <laughs> Festival. Uh, no, they they had turkey legs at at World of Fun. I yes, I promise you, they had giant turkey okay. legs. <laughs> no, I was I was I was more the uh, I'm gonna eat and drink everything I want before I go to World of Fun because like I'm not gonna pay fourteen dollars for a little box of Reese's Expensive. pieces or something. Even at eleven, Gabe. <laughs> Frugal man, smarter than most. I was I was raised cheap. <laughs> Starts early. Well, let's talk about uh, this Missouri game against Arkansas. Let's start there, because I was talking to you guys when when we started. It's not unexpected that for them to lose this game. I don't think you know Arkansas ranked thirteen. Missouri ranked 20. If we just go straight by the pool numbers, they were supposed to lose this game. They did get out to a 34-27 halftime lead, a game that I, I told you guys that I kind of turned on around the, the midway point and watched to, to the end. I didn't catch the the first half of the first half, if that makes sense. Um, but again, they scored 34 points in the second half, and they did what they did, but they just didn't play as good a defense. 47 points for Arkansas in that second half to get them to, to rally past Missouri. Um, and Maggie, you mentioned it kind of blowing that lead, I think, is the biggest thing that hurts from that game. Because, you know, if I think if Arkansas was maybe that game was close all the way through and Arkansas comes in and they just score, you know, they score some points at the end. They they, they go on a run and they win that game. You feel a little bit better about it. Um, but the way that the game kind of transpired, I think, is the way that it stings a little bit more than most losses would. I think we let a guy who has scored 12 points all season. um kind of come out and just make us look silly a little bit. I mean, we gave up a lot of open shots, which, you know, we talked about is not completely outside of the norm this year. The open shots is kind of like a complicated thing because usually teams don't make every open shot that, I mean, you watch players in pre-games, they don't make every shot that they take, but man, it sure felt like Arkansas made every shot in that second half. I mean, it felt it. Yeah. Every single one just stung a little bit more than the next. Yeah, and you know they're not really that good a shooting team, especially from three point range. I think they were shooting like twenty nine or thirty percent from. They shot twelve point five. They shot twelve point five percent against Auburn when and they lost to him a couple of days ago. Twelve point five percent. Like Ricky Council is not a good three point shooter, but he made a couple and then it seemed like every possession was just Ricky council takes a couple dribbles and okay. So you're going to let me shoot from 17 feet. Okay. I'm going to do it. And midway through that second half, he was not a 29% shoot. I I mean, he was a guy that the basket looked three times as big as it normally is because he just was, was in that rhythm and and Debo Davis hit a, hit a few. And so, you know, Arkansas is a good team. Um, They played well. That's a, it's a tough place to play. You know, I talked to a couple of people that were there who said they've been to quite a few games at Bud Walton and that's about as loud as they've ever heard it. Uh, it was just the way it happened. I mean, we look at it and say, well, no team should ever blow a 17 point lead, right? Well, if you're good enough to be ahead by 17 after 12 minutes, why is the other team not good enough to outscore you by 17 over the last 28 minutes, right? Because that was not a situation where they were up 17 because they were just, it, it wasn't SEMO, right? It was they were up 17 because they played well and Arkansas played poorly. And then that flipped. Um, I, I think what that game showed is Missouri can't survive a night where both Des Moy Hodge and Kobe Brown are off. They can survive one of them being off, but I don't think they can survive both of them being off against a good team. There's a common foul theme. Trouble. Foul trouble. We could we can't survive yep. with them on the bench. I was I was right. about to go into there because <laughs> there's a common theme really in both games, so it's okay. Uh, in both games, Kobe Brown found himself in foul trouble, um, and that's something that you know game to game changes and varies. I don't think Kobe's a guy that's going to foul a whole lot, and I don't think that's something you have to worry about. He did last year, but yeah, he's no. not Jeremiah Tillman. I mean, he's he's right. but he's a guy that 
he fouls more than you'd like because he's a six seven guy having to guard six ten guys. That's true. Yeah. And now the zone protects him to some degree. But I thought in both those games, and I know fans said, well, one of those calls in both games was awful. And that may be. Look, I don't know. I haven't I didn't watch the replay. But the bottom line is at least one of them was a good call. And when you get one, you just have to play different. You know, you Mm -hmm. can't put the refs in, you you can't allow them to maybe be able to call the second one. And if Kobe's getting a foul because he's trying to block a shot or because his guy caught the ball, you know, six feet from the rim. Okay. You can live with those. You can't live with the cheap fouls. Don't, don't reach in. Don't, don't foul a guy 14 feet from the basket you only get five. Now, I'll, I'll say the one thing I liked is that Dennis Gates let him play with it a little bit at Vandy. I mean, I used to get so frustrated. It was like an automatic ticket to the bench until the second half when you got two fouls with Conzo Martin. Didn't matter how many guys he had on his bench. Didn't matter what. You had two fouls. You were sitting. And that, I, you know, I, I liked that Gates did it at Arkansas because, hey, you're up 17. Why would you put Kobe in and risk it, you know? Right. But then at Vandy, he looked, they were down. They weren't playing well. He left Kobe in for a little bit, and then he pulled him. But he's shown a little more flexibility on that. Yeah. And Kobe's fouls are fouls. I mean, a lot of them are fouls. Like, he's leaving the ground. He's he's over. It's like a lot of people are, even Kobe, every single time, he's like, what? And I'm like, you're not straight up. (laughs) You left the ground. I mean, they're pretty obvious. They're pretty obvious fouls. But like you said, what do you do? When you're undersized, you're the only player of your size, and you're taking on these six to seven foot. I think Vandy had a guy that is mm-hmm. seven seven feet. I mean, you're taking on these massive humans. I mean, it's almost like, what do you do if you don't have somebody come in for backup on those? Well, and that's why that's where you'd like to see Mohamed Diara be able to get on the floor. And I don't, I mean. If you're 6'10 and you can't play on this team at all, <laughs> I don't think that's a great sign. Like, I'm not trying to insult the kid, but right. it, it, even, you know, Jordan Wilmore at times was like, I don't know, man, just go hit somebody three times. It's it's just take up some minutes. And there are times you would like to see Diara used that way. Just, hey, they've got a seven-footer in there. Now, Liam Robbins isn't a traditional seven-footer. He's a little more of a shooter and, and plays outside, but, you know, he's not Oscar or anything. but. Like if Kobe picks up an early foul in the next game, I would not hate seeing Mohamed Diara just, hey man, go eat up four minutes. And if you foul three times, we don't care. Like mm-hmm. it's cool. You don't have to play the second half anyway. We just need to make sure Kobe can play the second half. Yeah, I do like that. As a as I do, I do wish we'd see him a little bit more. But and then we we've seen Dennis use the personnel that he has. I think in in a very effective way. To your point, Gabe, the way that he manages the fouls has been really. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy how he, he does that. I, I know Jared Sutton talking to him just kind of about his demeanor on the sideline, on the bench of just like everything like that. See why uh, this is one of my favorite stories that, that uh, Jared was telling me because he was at the Kentucky game and he said, see why never sits in the same seat. He is always moving around the bench, getting guys up around and, and talking to him to making sure that they're staying engaged in the game. And, and I think that's kind of a big way talking about that staff. I don't know why I just thought about that story that he was he was telling me but um no i think when you look at when you look at the uh the field goal percentage 61 and a half percent during shooting in the second half it's hard to beat a team like he didn't shoot 80 percent, but like it, when you when you make more than you miss that's a that's good um i'm that's some groundbreaking analysis you're getting here firsthand on the <laughs> podcast if you're making more than your miss you're having a good day um that's that's in any sport that's in anything um so it's it's tough you know we did talk about the open shots and everything like that and I can see kind of how this game could lead to a little bit of a flat Vanderbilt performance, right? It kind of after that game, I was a little, I was a little worried. I was like, ah, Vanderbilt game's looking a little bit, a uh, little bit dicey now with, uh, with uh, how this game ended, especially at eleven a.m. Like, yeah, look by eleven a.m. I mean, I've been up for five hours, so it's no big deal for me. But for a twenty-year-old to have to get to the arena at nine thirty, they're not used to that. Early. You know, and it is a little bit different. Um, I thought it, Missouri didn't play well coming out of the gates, but they were never, there was never a point in the first half where you felt like uh, this is dangerous, right? I mean, because yeah. 
I, I think that whole game, I don't think either team ever had bigger than a nine point lead in that game. I mean, that was all played the entire game. I'm pretty sure was played within single digits. So you always kind of felt like, Hey, if they can put together a run, they're going to be okay. They did. They got up nine and then credit Vandy. They put together a run and, and made it more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And that, that wasn't really iced until Shawnee's free throws with four seconds left. Right. right. And then it was actually a six, a six point game. I mean, he, the guy at the end at the buzzer made a wild three point shot, which was a great shot. So credit to him to bring it within three. Um, but it was, and I think the the big guy made like a bank three, I think yeah. within a couple of minutes left in the game too. So, I mean, they were also shooting really well. It, it was a great game. It was a game that you have to win and a game we did win. So really good. You can't yeah. ask for more. Oh, and two probably would have been, I don't want to say catastrophic. That seems a bit dramatic, but it would have it wouldn't have been great um, for this team, especially after what because that was that one game. of the two games we said you can't lose that game. You can't Correct. lose to Vandy at home, and Vandy seeing them in person, they look better than what their record says they are so far this year. Uh, I mean, they have some, they have a few guys that can play. Uh, and you know, if you talk to basketball people and Dennis Gates said it afterwards, he said Stackhouse runs some really good stuff on offense and all that, but that's a game you can't lose. Um, you know, and, and there's one more of those at some point, South Carolina comes here. I think that's easily the worst team in the sec. You can't lose that one. Any other game on the schedule, there's no, oh my God, this is season changing loss left. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. We are going to struggle whenever we play any team that has bigs like that. I mean... We got lucky because we played very well against Kentucky and, you know, we played very good defense against Oscar, although he still scored a lot of points and got a lot of rebounds, but it was teams like Illinois. We played so well against Illinois because we matched up really well against them in terms of size. They really don't have anybody that was able to dominate us on the, on the inside. I think we might struggle with Florida who has, I can't think of his Castleton, Castleton, who's a very good, you know, inside player. We're going to struggle with those teams. So, 
Yep. And it's not just that they have the big guy. It's that that big guy demands so much attention Mm -hmm. that he's got two or three guys going to him, which means there's a free rebounder or two. And I, I think it's 86 to 47 on the, on the glass in the last two games. Oh, I wrote it down. Something like that. Um, we were out rebounded um, forty to twenty three at Arkansas, so seventeen right. point advantage. Forty six to twenty seven against Vanderbilt. Okay, so eighty six to fifty in two games, and but you know I, I liked what Dennis Gates said after the game because it's exactly what I've said about this team all year. So anytime he says what I say, good point, Dennis. Well, well put. <laughs> yep. But he said, "Look, it's easy to look at it and say we got out rebounded, but." and he didn't say it exactly this way, it's going to happen to this team. You have to live with it. You know it now. You don't want it to be 47 to 20 or whatever you said it was. But it's going to happen. So you have to minimize that a little bit, but not compound it with losing the turnover battle, having a negative assist to turnover battle, losing block shots, whatever. He said, we can survive that if it's our only negative category. And they can. I mean, they got out rebounded 40 to 23 and they had every chance to win that Arkansas game. That Arkansas game was not lost because of second chance points or rebounds. It was lost because they had three awful possessions in the final two minutes that came, that ended up with one total point. The Vandy game, they won even though they were out rebounded by 19. So look, Missouri's not going to have a positive rebounding margin very often in, in SEC play, maybe not at all but they just have to make sure they do have a positive turnover margin and a positive assist ratio mm-hmm. and things like that. Basketball is a game of runs too. And I think that that's kind of a big thing. Um, I, I believe Arkansas went on a nine Oh run and they weathered that storm fairly well. That would put them up two or three points. Um, and then I, th- I believe Vanderbilt went on like a 13 to one run um, at one point in this game too. So um, just, no, seeing how they weather the runs, I think for me has been has been uh, something that I've I don't want to say focused on, but something I've been made a conscious effort to say. Okay, this team's on a run. How are the, How do they do that? How Dennis mm-hmm. does timeouts and everything like that. Still, I think is is good, and, and they've been able to to weather a lot of these. Um, especially when you talk about the Vanderbilt thirteen to one is a tough one. Like that's a tough one to try to get through. And and uh, I believe they were up double digits at that point. That's that gave Vanderbilt the lead. The thirteen to one did. But yeah, um, the this team being able to battle through that. Uh, Kobe Brown, I believe, had eighteen against Vanderbilt. Yeah, um, him, yeah. Him, and, him and Golston. Him and Golston. And that's the difference between these two games too. The leading score of the Arkansas game was Sean East with thirteen points. In Bandy, mm. we had two guys get 18. Des Moines Hodge had 17, and Noah Carter had 16. Yeah. Yeah. Missouri's I mean, just not going to win many games that score 68 points. Yeah. Right. It's just not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And it's encouraging, I think, that, again, I think they need either Hodge or Kobe to be good, but they've got other guys who, Dre Golston is not getting 18 every night, but he can get 18, right? Uh, Noah Carter is not scoring 13 in the second half every night, but he can do it. Um, Trey Gomillion is, is the current guy that everybody says can't be on the floor and all that. Cause we got to have one of those guys. Right. But there's going to be a night where he's going to play a big role and win. Sean East, you know, had seven assists against Vandy. Like you said, Letterman scoring at Arkansas. Like they have enough guys that it, different guys can do it on different. And that's what you want to be in that position. You don't want to have to be in the position where you're uh, for lack of a better person to equate this to where you're relying on LeBron James to score 40 points a night to have a chance to win a game, right? Like that's what the Lakers are in a problem right now is LeBron has to play out of his mind at 38 years old to win games. Now we're not, Sorry, you almost got me on a LeBron tangent right there. Um, looking ahead, let's look ahead. You've got Texas A&M, you've got Florida, Wednesday, Saturday, Slate. We're getting into that, fi- finally getting into that uh, groove of Wednesday, Saturday. Um, again, another week where I think both, I think it's very possible, I think it's very much on the table to go two and two, and I think that um, probably with should only, be the With only two games, I think it'll be tough to go two and two, actually. I meant two and zero. Oh. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I, appreciate I, I thought that. about. It. I was like, I'm trying to figure out the math. Yeah, 
I was like, yeah, they're gonna they get two wins. They went the moral victory right. plus the actual result. Um, yeah, two and two, uh, two and zero. Oh. I don't think it's unrealistic to to uh, no. want this team to go two and zero oh in this stretch because um, these two teams but, aren't uh, exactly the uh, the the creme of the crop. But zero oh and two is not off the table either. That's like true. they yes. are good enough that Missouri is going to have to play well in, mm-hmm. in both these games. I mean, A and M. AM, I think, was preseason top 25. They were picked somewhere around fifth or sixth in this league. And, you know, they had a bad non con, but they just went to Florida and won. Then they came home, and I, I can't remember who they beat on Saturday, but they, they, I think they beat LSU at home, maybe. I, I'm not sure, but they beat somebody at home. Um, well, Saturday, you know, I think, was Kentucky against LSU. Kentucky, so I, I was them. Yeah, I don't know. They, Kentucky, I, I don't know who they played, but they've won two games. Is is, uh, and they they look like they're starting to play a little better. Florida has you know Colin Castleton, who's a first team All SEC guy. They've they've struggled a little bit, but they have pieces. And again, SEC teams. I think if my math was right, they're fifteen and four at home. Like that's you know it, these these games. I mean Ken Palm gives Missouri less than 50% chance in each game individually. So, you know, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion. Like this is, again, this is not football season where you just go, well, I don't know. We have more talent than they do. So we'll probably win 80% of the time. That's not the case in basketball. There are outliers in, in basketball all the time. And I don't even know if we're necessarily going to be more talented than most of the teams that we play in the sec. I think we're going to be one of the teams that has the most chemistry. I really do. I think our guys like each other. I think they play really well together. I think they see the ball really, like see the court really well. That's one thing I always say about Trey Gomillion is he just sees the floor really well. I think that that's going to help us win these games, not necessarily the talent, even though obviously Kobe and Demoy are very talented. A lot of the players are very talented. They're division one basketball players, but. So here's, I've got two questions for you guys that kind of, to me, put this whole, the basketball in perspective. First of all, if I had told you two months ago that Missouri will be ranked in the top 20 at any point this season, would you have thought yes or would you have thought no? No. No. I would have thought we would have been like, I would have thought we would have had like eight wins at this point. Yeah, I would have said probably no. The second part of this is, as we sit today, 13-2, and two, 20th in the country, what is your, like, what is your expectation level for this team? Like, you're looking at this team going, because mine, like, to frame it, I'm still looking at this team as, what do they need to do to get into the tournament? And I know some people have already moved on to, no, we're talking about seeding. What do we need to do to be a four seed or whatever? I'm still looking at it as, hey, go one and one this week. Go one and one next week when Alabama and Arkansas come to Columbia. And if you do that, then I'll move on to start talking about seeding. But like anything from four and oh to oh and four is on the table for this team for the next two weeks, in my opinion. And so I think we've got to get through that before I'm ready to have any conversation other than getting in. Right. I think I'm there too. I think I, I'm at the same spot of, I didn't really expect Missouri to, um, to number one, to, to, for your first question, I don't think you expect them to be ranked. And that also plays into, I don't think I expected them to make the tournament this year. I believe I called them the best mid-major team in the SEC um, when it, when we started this. Um, and which, Tucker? listen, that wasn't wrong <laughs> at that point. There's a bunch of mid-major guys on, on this Missouri team that, show that they can play at this level and now they're getting into the sec play. So you, I think that it's not, I, I think I don't, I'm just nervous about the expectations here because you shouldn't make them so high that, Oh, you're not, we're not a five seed. Well, this, this year was season was a success. Uh, was not a success. No, you shouldn't think about it that way. As a first year head coach with a bunch of guys that he brought from mid major schools and community colleges and had three returners on this team, and he's now made them an AP ranked squad. Um, so that should be something that's definitely taken into consideration when thinking about this team moving forward. So, Gabe, to your point, I think making the tournament, just making the tournament as it, in a whole, is a is a successful season. I think that that's what it should be 
for everyone. Um, I think that making the tournament would be huge for the program. I think my expectations right now are sitting around like 20 wins, I would say. And I think 20 wins is enough to get us into the tournament. Um, mainly because the wins are pretty good wins. I mean, we whooped a couple of, of, of ranked opponents and obviously they're not ranked now, but that's what happens typically when you lose. I don't know. I say around 20 wins. I think we'll be in. I would like us to get around 22 wins. Yeah. I, I said last that week one. that I thought this was a 22 or 23 win team now, because like, just to put it in perspective, if they enter selection Sunday with 20 wins, that means they've gone seven and 10 the rest of the way, yeah. you know? And so I like, they're actually, they're closer to it than you think, but Again, I think you just got to get through these next two weeks before I start. If they go three and one over the next two or something, then I'll start saying, yeah, like this top four team in the SEC and let's see how high you can go. I'm just not quite ready to go there yet. I mean, you can reach a point in this season where ending up as a nine seed is disappointing, right? I mean, that happened to Missouri two years ago. They were 10th in the country. And then you were a nine seed and it was your first tournament in three years and all this, but everybody kind of went in going, I don't feel very good about this. So, Hey, if they get to 20 and three and then they end up a nine seed, yeah, you can be disappointed with that. I'm just not to the point where I would call that disappointing yet. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, it's very interesting. Also, Both these games on the road. Go ahead. Also, you're good enough now that your coach is going to be hired at Texas. So that's awesome too. <laughs> Gabe? He's not, not going to be hired. I <laughs> not even think about he's that. He's not going to be what? hired at Texas. They can take Tang if they want. You know you know why he's <laughs> not going to be hired at Texas? Because there's zero chance that Texas is going to pay Missouri $13.9 million to hire Dennis Gates yeah. before they even pay him a salary. It's not going to happen. Witten family men's fed basketball coach. Dennis. <laughs> Maybe, how, how much of that 13.9 million would have to just go to the Witten family? That's, Probably that's almost all investigation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout, out, shout out to the Witten family right now for getting I, us a good look, coach in here. We do not have to give them a shout out. They get shout outs they get at every Missouri press conference <laughs> multiple times. They are the most well-known family in Missouri. <laughs> well, if they're listening and they want to send us some money. <laughs> this can be the uh, Witten family Missouri podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. We can make those arrangements um, if we have to. Or, or honestly, any family. Like, we're good to yes. go with the Jones yes. family, the Johnson family, whatever. If you are a family that wants your own podcast, <laughs> we will rename this and have people do new graphics, like, tonight. We'll get you in touch Tucker. with some people. Tucker will be on that. Um, yeah, get you in touch. <laughs> um, no, but I do think that that's, a, that's an interesting conversation to have about this basketball team. I don't think I would have anticipated them to be as competitive i don't know if competitive is the right word because i expected them to, i expected the environment to be a little bit different right but having if three consecutive sellouts now the, the alabama game sold out it'll be um, four by the be, end of alabama yeah okay it'll be four by the end of alabama i don't know if, if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year i've been like okay that's not what i expected at all so to put the season in perspective i do think is a good thing um a and m what we were talking about what who but they played last week. They played Florida on Wednesday. They beat them 66 to 63. Um, close game. Uh, and then they played LSU on Saturday. They beat LSU 69 to 56. For AM, they've got Missouri and South Carolina on the schedule here. And looking at Florida, they played Georgia on Saturday and they lost or they beat Georgia 82 to 75. In the, in the Mike White revenge game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, Kentucky might stink. Like they might be really bad, um, and I that might weigh down that that win uh, because also they, Alabama might be really good. No, I do think Alabama is really good. Okay, I that's do. Who they played Alabama. Uh, I do think that Alabama is good, but just still looking at that score, should, I don't think it should have been that wide of a margin. So that might that could weigh down Missouri's potentially uh, good win. So something to yeah. something to keep an it, eye on. It, Illinois went and beat Wisconsin though. UCF yes. has won some games. Like, and look at this. Illinois, Illinois beat Texas. And K-State just came out and beat Texas. And all of a sudden, K-State's the number 11 team in the country. So, I mean. Well, K-State State hung 113 hmm. on, in Texas and also won. But they gave up. But they also gave up 102. So. <laughs> yeah. They're good, That's though. Fair. Yeah. No, I yeah, think they, they're uh, good. 
I think they're good as well. I just don't think Texas is, might not be as good I mean, as. like, there's a world where you're discussing Jerome Tang and Dennis Gates as maybe the two leading candidates for Coach of the Year at this point. Yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting. It's not a K-State podcast, but I am interested to see how K-State KU goes. Uh, and it's coming up in a few games, I believe. I I think KU is good, good. Um, I don't want to say that. I, I think I think <laughs> that I think that they got gypped in the pool this week. I think they should have been number one, and it should not have been Houston. Um, but I think and that's not really an incredibly hot take. But I think that we're gonna see that KU K State game, and it's gonna be like, oh no, like KU's like above well, and, next level. And we saw that yeah. up close. And and like yes. we're gonna. This is not a praise KU podcast. I promise I'm going to relate this back to how it impacts Missouri. <laughs> but it, so KU won a game where the opposition wanted to get out and run and, and have it be wild, right? 95, whatever it was at Mizzou. But then I watched the second half of KU Oklahoma State when they were down 45-30 at halftime. I turned that on. And the first seven minutes of that, I thought, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to get a shot on. Like this defense is ridiculous. So my point is to be an elite team you have to show you can win different ways. So what I want to see out of Missouri at some point, if you get in a knockdown drag out fight in college station, can you win a 66, 64 game? They did that against UCF, but that's still a little bit different to me, right? Can you go win an sec game that you don't score 70? In? That's what we yeah. haven't seen out of this team yet. Yeah. And that's the difference between being pretty good and being, Oh, hang on. Let's really yeah. pay attention. Good. Yeah. Um, two big wins for Kansas State, too. At, you, you talk about at Texas. They also went to Baylor and beat Baylor. I don't, Baylor's not the national championship team they were a couple years ago. Still a very respectable program, uh, what Scott Drew has going on down there. Um, but yeah, uh, college basketball ramping up. We're right. We're in the, we're, we're starting to get right into the swing of the conference schedule. The best time of, of the college basketball season. As I mentioned, both of these games on the road for the Missouri Tigers at A&M at Florida home field advantage, home court, I should say, sorry, home court advantage plays. It's it, it's the biggest thing that plays in any sport. I think anywhere. if you need basketball. any confirmation of that, just look at the free throws against Vanderbilt. Yes. And by the way, the game-changing play in that game was 100% goaltending on Dre <laughs> yeah. Like, I asked him afterwards, I said, are you willing to tell us if you blocked that before it went off the backboard? And Gates said, Whistle said it was a clean block. Yep. So everybody knew. It's know. the best answer. The best answer you can give. But but my point is, when they're playing a road game and you're, you know, you're picking out a call with seven minutes left in the first half that changed the game. And I'm not saying the officiating on the road is always good. I mean, I don't think the officiating lost the Arkansas game, but I understand why people had some problems, but remember the Vandy game next on Wednesday night in college station. When you're convinced the refs always hate Missouri, just, just think about Saturday. It's true. This, this is the big, this is the sport that it matters. The absolute most is college basketball. Might matter a little bit in college football. Doesn't matter in the NFL. Stats show it does not matter at all. It right. it matters in college basketball. And it's why they can't ever play like postseason games on a home court. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, it, because if you have an NCAA tournament game that's coming up to a ref getting caught up in the home crowd, it just wrecks <laughs> everything. So keep buying your tickets. Keep selling out Missouri Arena. It matters. It, it matters. Really it really does. It really does. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Let's talk about something else that matters. Let's talk about having an offensive coordinator for the Missouri Tigers football team. Look at that. Look at that transition. That was kind of, you think I get very paid smooth, to do this. Very smooth. Um, I'm interested by this hire. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not coming out here. I'm not saying this is a home run hire. This is the best thing that Missouri football could have done. I, I think it's good. I think it's good. I don't think that there's anything bad with it. I don't think Missouri football got worse by hiring Kirby Moore, if that makes sense. Um, but I do think it's very interesting to to look at it from this way uh drinkwood seemed to be very relieved <laughs> that he has somebody to to kind of take those duties off of him uh kirby moore had some there's some really good numbers uh, i believe uh, gerard hamilton wrote that story um uh, that has the numbers uh, from his offensive season in there with the uh in, in the mountain west with fresno state who was a conference champion by the way they led the they led that conference within all offensive categories essentially um so they had a good offense uh, no shocking that he does get a step up to the next level. Um, if you're thinking, hey, more that last name sounds a little bit familiar. Yeah, he's he's his brother. He's a uh, <laughs> brother. Um, so there is some history there. Maybe the maybe they get to you know, to compare notes a little bit, share notes, get some Kellen Moore offense into some influence into this uh, into this offense, which uh, Gabe, I'm curious to your first reactions to, to, to the hire and everything like that. Well, I think the the big thing really is uh, whoever he hires to do it. Cool. I, I mean, I'm I'm not qualified to say whether Kirby Moore is better than the guy at Western Michigan or Penn State or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to to how much talent you have and all that. But I, I think the big question is, you know, I, I think a lot of people think now, oh well, offensive coordinator, cool. Drinkwitz is just out on the offense. He's just the CEO, and Kirby Moore has carte blanche with the offense. I mean, he's still going to be in the game planning. He's still going to be working with the offense more than the defense or the special teams probably at practices. He's still, you know, the way Gary Pinkle always described it was, hey, I'm on the headset. Every play call goes through me. It's it's my, like, I decide if we go on fourth down. And if they call down a play on fourth and three that I don't like, I've got the, I've got the ability to say no, because I'm the head coach. Right. And so that's still, I, I mean, this. And last year was not a dictatorship. Last year wasn't Eli Drinkwood saying, this is what we're doing. Shut up. Don't talk to me. I mean, that, there's a reason you have 872 coaches, right? <laughs> um, that's that's how it works. So I'll be interested to see how much changes, how much of this is Kirby Moore coming in and saying, bringing new stuff, and how much is just, okay, this is what you guys have already done. I've got a little bit of different name for it. I want to add this twist. You know, it, it, I don't think it's going to – like, I don't think – random Missouri fan that doesn't know they just hired Kirby Moore will watch the offense next year and go, Oh, well, this is way different. You know, I, I I just don't think that it's still going to come down to identifying what your guys do best and then having them manage to block throw and catch well enough to execute that. I think a big thing will be recruiting. It's still going to be, this gives drink a little bit more time to focus on recruiting since now recruiting is a year round thing it doesn't stop ever so it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of what um kirby can do with you know these guys coming in specifically sam horn um because he is going to be in charge of quarterbacks which i think is a pretty common thing um for offensive coordinators anyways but it'll be it'll be very interesting to see just i mean he's not an old coach he's young um maybe fresh ideas i don't know i'm excited about it we've been talking about it everywhere for six months i mean i think probably since the first game of the season against louisiana tech we were like i don't know we might need to get an offensive coordinator in here so i'm excited just to kind of see what he brings to the table well and the, the interesting part of it to me is what it does as far as i mean look if your offense is bad again next year like I don't know. You tried every solution and none of it's worked, you know? So, so does this shorten the leash on Drinkwitz? Does it lengthen it? You know, like I'll be interested to see if we're through six games next year, Missouri's, I don't know, three and three and the offense is 12th in the sec. Is the heat going to be on Drinkwitz or is it going to be, 
well, Kirby Moore's an idiot, you know, because the offensive coordinator is always the least popular guy on every single, you know, every single team at every level of high school football. We'll just call the touchdown play. Like, why don't we call the touchdown play more? We'd be way better. You know, so I'll be interested to see. And hopefully we don't find out. Hopefully they're real good on offense and everything's great. I, I just will be interested to see the reaction if it gets off to a little bit of a bumpy start and, and where that kind of frustration goes. Yeah, that is interesting. I pulled up the story that uh, Gerard wrote for uh, on Power Missouri. You can go at PowerMissouri.com. Go check that out. Uh, last season, the Bulldogs finished 53rd in total offense at 402 total yards per game 52nd in scoring offense 30.6 points per game 27th in passing offense at 270.6 points per game all better than what missouri's offense was um yeah this last season but so they played mountain west teams yes and also like last year was kirby moore's first year as an oc so kind of like we've said about Drinkwitz for the last two years here he's just taking what's there and doing the best he can with and he's going to do the same thing here right like mm-hmm. This is not – he may not have the ideal quarterback for his system on this roster or the ideal running back or whatever. Um, but the best coaches are the guys who come in and say, okay, this is what our guys do well, and we're going to we're gonna go with that. Like my system is whatever works for the guys we have, not I'm going to make them do my things because that never goes well. Yeah, that's – it's going to be interesting to see, as you've mentioned. I think uh, what what's really interesting, what Drinkwitz said that uh, he felt like they did a really good job of improving defense uh, on the last year, um, which true, I can mm-hmm. I can I can attest to that. I will say that I say agree to that. And he says he feels like he needs to go back and evaluate some offensive things. Also true, and I can agree with that. Um, so very, uh, I think that this is, I think this is a good move. And and Gabe, kind of kind of to your point too. The, the person not necessarily didn't I don't want to say matter I don't, I don't I think I think the person right. matters but it wasn't as huge of a thing that necessarily I was worried about or I don't think a lot of Missouri fans were really worried about who it was as long as there was somebody doing it um, as long as there was somebody in that role I mean I know Maggie has strong feelings on whether Kirby Moore is an excellent offensive coordinator or not so <laughs> the hot takes I, I know so I mean Kind of like you said on Power Mizzou as well, which we're just giving shout outs to Power Mizzou left and right today. I love it. But um, I mean, I didn't know who Kirby Moore was. <laughs> I know who Kel- I obviously know who Kellen Moore is. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, if you watched football in the early 2010s, you know who he was. Um, but I didn't know who he was. I saw it was Fresno. I looked up some info. I was like, hey, not that mad about it. Talked to a guy, a, a, a Twitter account, a Fresno State Twitter account. He says they loved him, and he's bummed they left. So I've been like, that's good for us. I'm hoping, but nobody knows anything. I don't know anything. Y'all don't know anything. Uh, we just have to hope for the best, honestly. <laughs> I mean, we can all agree, though, that I'm just frustrated at the impatience not to wait till Monday. I mean, it could be Mizzou OC Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. Which True. clearly he would have taken that job, right? I would have not been upset about <laughs> for reasons completely yeah. unrelated right. yes unrelated as my twitter some of my twitter uh, most, girlfriends know most most attractive oc in the sec listen yeah. maybe that's oh, why yeah. drink would I, I don't know if i can say that i can say he's more attractive than bobby i can, pro- can, I, can I, I can say it i can say it most i don't know who the other ones are <laughs> Oh yeah, Fresno, me neither. <laughs> looking at looking at Fresno State, they've got they had some dudes on that team. Like they didn't have like they had some pretty good players. They got three they of good the, They did. And they, they've got three that are going to the East West Shrine Bowl, which will be in a couple weeks. Um a couple wide receivers are running back, Jordan Mims, Jalen Cropper, and Nico Ramico. That's a fun name to say. Um Can so they he had grad transfer to Mizzou. This is actually how I decide who I want Mizzou to sign. I'm like, oh, guys with that. Like, they offered a kid, named, a linebacker named KV on Thunderbird earlier this year. I'm like, I'm going to be furious if he doesn't If we don't get him. <laughs> because it could have yeah. been KV on Thunderbird lining up next to Brayshawn Littlejohn. And I mean, that's phenomenal. Love it. It'd be great. It'd be great. Love a good name. And then there are kids with names that I'm like, no, I refuse to type that name for four years. Missouri can't sign him. <laughs> Yeah. So interested to see what what happens there. Uh, it was 
what did Drinkwood's call on Twitter? Did he call it the daily double um, of getting two transfers? He something. had something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, it was the daily double. Like um, got two transfers in a defensive back from Florida who admittedly I didn't know a whole lot about. Um, and I don't know if a whole lot of people did know about uh, this guy. But they also got an offensive lineman. Here, here it is. Hand up. I don't know Let's this go. dude from the Mac, right? I don't know. I don't know who this dude is from the Mac, but I'm glad he's an offensive lineman, and I'm glad he's coming to Missouri because we talked about it. You, Gabe, you said they need probably three, and I said five just because of the numbers uh, of how many offensive linemen they need to bring in. I still stand behind the five number of they need to get more offensive linemen just because of the bodies and. How much in, they had a lot of injuries on the offensive line last year. Yeah. Um, just depth is good at that position. Excited to see what he can do. Uh, excited, excited for the competition it brings. But uh, adding an offensive lineman, I was excited to see that one. Right. Like I can't say whether Marcellus Johnson is going to start next year or not. Yes. I have no idea. I've watched exactly zero snaps of him playing football in his entire life, and that number will remain the same until <laughs> uh, you know September. Labor Day week. <laughs> Realistically, yeah, but. Um, sorry, I'm not doing film study of Marcellus Johnson. If there are people that want to do that, that's great. I'm not one of them. Uh, I just look at it like he had some good offers. Right. Yeah. Other, Mm -hmm. other schools wanted him and they just need more talent on the line. Mm -hmm. You know, and if this guy comes in and he gets beat out by Armand Mimbo or whatever, then okay, that's fine. He wasn't good enough, but hopefully it means Mimbo was a little better. My, my guess is. Because Javon Foster's coming back. I think Foster's your left tackle. I don't probably see that changing. So I think that means that Marcellus Johnson and Mimbo, ideally one of those guys moves inside the guard and the other one can play right tackle. Now, look, maybe he shows up and he's not good enough. You know, every transfer, the, the idea of a transfer is you're good enough to start. Right. And now you need higher level guys. I mean, like two years ago, you know, Connor Wood was good enough to start on this offensive line. Now, in the end, that probably said more about the shape Missouri's offensive line was than that Connor Wood was an all. And I'm, I'm not trying to crap on the kid, but he wasn't an all SEC level lineman or anything. He was fine. He was a replacement level lineman. And they needed that at this time. Now, they need better than they had last year. And you only do that by bringing in more guys like the DB. You know, I, I've seen Missouri fans have had this theory for the last couple of weeks that a couple of corners have gone elsewhere because they look and go, well, Ennis and KAD are starting next year. So I'm not going to start there. So, And could that be a factor for some of them? Sure. But guys, you need more than two and you have to field a team for more than next year. You know, so you're recruiting these guys to have. I mean, why is Georgia elite? Because when their four star and five star defensive line goes out for six snaps, then they are replaced by four star and five star defensive yeah. linemen. So when Ennis Rakestar, Chris Abrams drain goes down with an injury for a series or takes a series off, you need a guy just as good as him or close to as good as him coming in. The drop off can't be big. Or when, you know, when, when Ennis Rakestar has covered three straight fly patterns, it just needs a break to, to get his breath back. You need a guy coming in at that level. So it's all about stacking talent. And I don't think coaches don't look at recruiting and go, Oh well, our linebackers are next are good next year, so we, we don't need linebackers. No, you you're gonna need linebackers. <laughs> yeah. The transfer portal does open that up a little bit more than it did when you're when you were focused solely on high school players. But we've got to focus more on getting people uh, more players from that offensive line, like you said, Tucker. We're very good at recruiting uh, the wide receiver position or something like that but we need more bodies on the offensive line looking at it uh maybe this is why he called it a daily double drinkwitz because they're both last names both johnson not that they both happen in oh. the same day trevez johnson marcellus johnson um are you are you related no relation no no okay. relation no relation oh. <laughs> i don't know what they look i don't know what they look like but i don't um no relation okay We'll run some tests. But um, I do think <laughs> that this is uh, – listen, when you're adding bodies, it's a good thing. I assume – Gabe, correct me if I'm wrong, they'll both be for, here for spring ball. Um, I assume – I assume that so. they yeah, won't I be. think transfers yeah. pretty much are. Okay. I just assume if if it's not noted, then they are. That's kind of what I assume yeah. in, in that way. But, um, yeah, I, I think we also need to talk about another loss that, they, that got to this uh, – this, Missouri defense 
very odd the way this whole thing happened. Trajan Jeffcoat said that he was going to come back for one more year. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back for one more year. It's not going to be at Missouri, though. Um, <laughs> and he took down a tweet that he had about one more year at Missouri. Answered, I think Max Olson was reporting that uh, from the athletic that he is entering the transfer portal. We'll see how that goes. Um, another interior, or not, I shouldn't say another interior offensive lineman, but uh, again, I would looking expect- a little thin. I would expect Missouri might play him next year. Yeah. Well, That's based on all of the com- based on all the comments and the quote tweets, uh, I would also go with that theory that we will probably and, play them. And let's in, let's, in let's get this out there. Were they tampering? Maybe. Does it matter? No. Are they tampering? Doing it. Yes. Everybody's like this is not an everybody's cheating but us scenario. That doesn't exist in SEC football. Everybody's doing it. He, uh, who was it? Was it? It was um, Mordecai. Was his last name right? The SMU quarterback, Tanner uh, Mordecai. Yeah, Tanner Mordecai. He said, I think he said he entered the transfer portal to go to Wisconsin. To Wisconsin. <laughs> well, we everybody, everybody already knew in the bowl game that Hartman was going to Notre Dame. Yeah, like true. that wasn't that wasn't yeah. information people I mean, learned afterwards. Like when when you get a divorce and two weeks later you have a girlfriend, you didn't just meet that girl in the last thirteen <laughs> days, man. That it doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> right. Um, That's what I'm in, I tried to tell all my exes that, but <laughs> <laughs> it uh, certainly is a it is an interesting time and in, uh, the transfer portal of college but, football. But like specific to Jeff Coat, I don't think it's a huge loss as far as on field production. He he has not been great the last two years, but. It's worth acknowledging he still was a second stringer ahead of Johnny Walker and Arden Walker, who are supposed to start next year. You're bringing in Austin Firestone from Northwestern. I think they will get another one, maybe two defensive ends from the portal. But like he maybe wasn't great, but he still played a lot of snaps last year. So he apparently was was they thought better than some of the other options. Yeah, I think what I mean, he had fifteen, what fifteen tackle tackles, one sack. I think was what is that sounds what good. Was? Fifteen solo tackles and one sack. Sounds mm. good for not being it's a starter. One, one, one near brawl induced on the Kentucky sideline. <laughs> right. It wasn't his fault. I want to be clear, not his fault. Yeah, no, no not, it, wasn't. it was not his fault. Uh, I do think it's a you talked about it, Gabe. It's just a matter of depth for me. Um, just guys on the field and. and quality guys on the field i think is a big thing too when you talk about depth you can get bodies out there but if they're as you mentioned with georgia they're putting out four stars for their four stars i don't think that that will happen at missouri um i think missouri has a long way to go to get to that point where you're putting four stars out there for four stars um but i don't think that they're that because it is such a long ways away that the expectation should be let's just get a warm body out there um, you still got to play in the SEC. Still got to play some. Got to play some big dogs. Um, so, yeah, certainly a weird scenario, weird situation. But um, that kind of, I don't know if you want to say capped off the week because that that came. Well, I guess it did come on Sunday, but it Sunday. it it was a, it was a interesting capper to a a somewhat roller coaster week for Missouri athletics. And look, there will probably be more. Like there's they, I mean, there have to be more, there's still over 85 scholarship players. Some more guys have to transfer. I know they're going to bring more guys in. There's, this is, this is what it is. This is college football. They're all free agents until they're not, you know? So. Absolutely. Um, Hey, I've got some breaking Missouri football news for you guys. Go ahead. Jeremy Macklin, college football hall of famer. Oh, as we are recording this podcast. Oh, it like just happened. Like it just came out a few minutes ago. Yeah. Oh, nice. Congrats, Congrats. to Mac. Former Chiefs legend as well. Um, <laughs> all kinds of ties to the Missouri and the surrounding areas. Just, just warmed up number 19 for Kadarius Tony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like but to yeah, see. Yeah, Macklin, I mean, two seasons, All American twice. Like, if you look at his, he had something like 2,700 all purpose yards per year. That's ridiculous. It's almost. 300 a game, you know, when you add in return numbers and stuff. That's ridiculous. Best time to be at college. Hi, was at Mizzou. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for all of you that were not at Mizzou during those years, but uh, they were 
they were the good ones, the glory days. The, the one I always remember with him is the the first play in Lincoln in 2008, mm-hmm. or the third play or something like that. It, it took just, you know, and it's it's why like people focus way too much on completing deep passes and stuff. Chase threw like a seven inch pass to Macklin and it was a 60 yard touchdown and it was seven, nothing like 51 seconds into the game. And I remember like the people that watched Jeremy play back then always said, the reason he's so good is he doesn't have like four, three speed, but he is at top speed in like two steps. You know, he takes off and he is at full speed within five yards and, and it makes him really impossible to defend. Well, now I'm going to go watch some Jerry Macklin highlights. Uh, so I hope you guys all do the same. You guys go uh, obviously finish the podcast, get to the end. Um, uh, let me complete my sentence and then go watch some Jeremy Macklin highlights. Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end of the podcast. A lot going on. I know this is kind of a longer episode, but uh, had a lot going on, had a lot that we wanted to cover and wanted to talk about with, with basketball in the swing of things, Mizzou football. Not going to be outdone in the headline department. I'll tell you that. They are doing their best to stay uh, relevant in the headline department. So thank you guys for listening all the way to the end of this podcast. We'll be back next week talking more hoops, probably more college football, uh, just because football is king in today's environment. We'll have a winner for a national championship. We can kind of talk about that a little bit as well. So until next time, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.